You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Two weeks away from the start of the 2017 college football season, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello breaking down the non-group of Power 5 conferences. We're going to talk a little Mountain West Conference. We're going to talk a little Wyoming and Josh Allen, a little Colorado State and Nick Stevens. We're going to talk a little Brett Rippon and Boise State, and that's where I want to start, Rich, because 10-3 and last year with Boise State, Harson did a great job. This is a team, though, in my opinion, that will take a major step back to seven and five in 2017. I will take the over Woo! if you're offering. <laughs> give me the over on that. I mean, seven and five. I, you know, I didn't think you were going to be that uh, harsh to Boise State. I'm coming right out of the uh, game. I know you are. You just uh, the gloves are off. They are um, McGregor Mayweather, right? Uh, From round number one. The color blue makes uh Joe Lee CC red, evidently. <laughs> um the one thing that's interesting about Boise State, I'm I'm not real high on on the Broncos and, and I don't think Brian Harson's done a great job, quite frankly. I, I think we're in an era now, obviously, because they haven't won the past two seasons, where Boise State being the um you know, this the sort of bellwether of the Mountain West this is not the case any longer. San Diego State, at least recently, has taken over. I, I think Boise State has the premier talent in the conference. They run the ball very well. I'm looking for a big year out of Alexander Madison, who now takes over for Jeremy McNichols, who, who left for the NFL, probably shouldn't have. Uh, but, you know, you go from Jay Ajay, Jeremy McNichols, and, and, and now Alexander Madison. You have Brett Ripon behind center. They typically play good defense. But this is a team that's been vulnerable. So the we're not in that era any longer where it's Boise State and everybody else in the Mountain West. I agree with you, and I'm going to back it up with some documentation here. You're talking about Boise State last year that allowed 177 rushing yards per game, Rich. It was their highest total since prior to 2008. They were minus nine in turnover margin for the first time since 2009. You want to talk about sack totals over the last three seasons – Three years ago, it was 47. In 2015, it dipped down to 33. Last year, only 29, Rich. They're going the opposite way. He's recruiting on the offensive side of the ball, but he's letting the defense slip. And you look at their three losses in 2016 to Air Force, Wyoming, and Baylor. They allowed 315 rushing yards to Air Force, 215 to Wyoming, and 140 to Baylor. And their week one matchup, Rich, against Silvers and Troy is not an easy game. Look out, Boise State. I'm telling you. Yeah, and you know what? You're concerned about the defense, and justifiably so. Seven new starters on that defense. So Andy Avalos, the defensive coordinator, really needs to step up. I like that matchup in week one against Silvers. Jordan Chun out of the backfield. That could be a very tricky test for Boise State. I think a lot of people are under the assumption you just walk out onto the blue field and it has magical powers. It mystifies or... everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how that game plays out. But, I mean, these are the concerns that I have for this team. We're going to pick it up in the back end. So we're just getting started. Mountain West Conference. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio. 34.
kicking it up a notch, talking a little Mountain West football, talking Boise State, Brett Rippin and the crew. I went out on a limb and I'm sticking to it. Seven and five overall for 2017. I have this the stats to back it up. I'm not backing down, Rich. When we look at this schedule, too, for 2017, open out at home against Troy at Washington State. They face Bob Davey in New Mexico in week number three without a bye week. Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, who's going to be improved on September 22nd. Then they have a bye at BYU at San Diego State, Wyoming. Rich, that is not easy. Not easy. I mean, there are some landmines, uh, no doubt. I see landmines on the schedule entering 2017, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to see your seven and five. I'm going to raise you. I'm going to say nine and three. Really? Yeah. What, you got to give me who are the five losses? I, I know you're going to give them at Washington State. I'll buy that. Okay. I'll say at San Diego State. I'll buy that. At BYU is a toss-up game. you got to give me two more losses on that schedule. I don't see them. How about Troy, week one? I think Troy could be a very difficult game. If they I lose, will take the points. I will take the Trojans and the points, but I don't think they'll pull the upset. But they're, they're, ta- they're plus 12 in Vegas right now. I think that's a very difficult game. But keep in mind this. I think when you look at the physicality perspective, October 6th and October 14th at BYU at San Diego State that have traditionally physical offense and defensive lines and a team that is not good in run support is going to get worn down in both of those games and then has to face a high up-tempo attack with Josh Allen in Wyoming. They get a break at Utah State, Nevada without James Butler, no good. But then they go on the road at Colorado State, Nick Stevens, Mike Bobo, not an easy game. And then the triple option, and at Fresno State, Jeff Tedford, new head coach, he could have the team up by then. I'm just saying there could be two more losses in that group. I think at Colorado State is one, and I think Wyoming is the other uh, with San Diego State. Listen, if they slip to even 8-4 and four with a returning starting quarterback in Brett Rippon, Cedric Wilson on the outside really played well last year. First season out of junior college, uh, the wide receiver. I think Madison will fit in very well. If if they are seven to five, God forbid, or if they're eight and four, I'm not suggesting they fire Brian Harson by any stretch. But that is a bad start when when you look at what Chris Peterson did for all those years. Predecessors like Dan Hawkins, you know the the longtime success of Boise State as. The Cinderella, one of the premier group of five teams in the country, that fan base that they have, all of that momentum, if they hit a little bit of a malaise, I I think that could heap some pressure on Brian Harson entering 2018. Now, this is a team that has nine total starters coming back, five on offense, only four on defense. And when you're not coaching up talent on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to have concerns because I I could see one thing. I'll tell a team like New Mexico with Bob Davey that has really bought into his philosophy, and we'll get into that in a little bit about their progression, especially in run support. But you see this defensive front seven starting to slip So he's not instilling his defensive philosophy with this team. It's relying solely on an offensive attack that likes to spread it wide and and chuck it over the top and have a physical rushing attack. 
But this is going to be a very difficult schedule to really manipulate, and that's why I picked them at seven and five. But but that's what makes uh, this an, an analysis so special because we do have conflicting uh, you know feelings about this team. But I just I just don't see it. I, I'll say this: I think he's taken the team in the other direction. Whether they do that or not, we have to see. But I'll tell you this: if they lose that game to Troy. It could be all downhill. This team could be one in five when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, Joe, because if you look at how this team wrapped up last season, uh, you know, they sputtered to the finish line. They lose to Air Force. I thought they would have stepped up in the Cactus Bowl against Baylor. If you remember, Baylor was having issues, um, personnel issues. You know, you lose uh, your you know your head coach is, is on his way out. Matt Rule's on his way in. I thought there would be no motivation for Baylor Whatsoever, and they just laid it to Boise State. So the Broncos finished last year on a two game losing streak, you know, demoralized with how they played. So if this offseason did not sufficiently get these kids motivated and they lose that opener or sluggish in that opener against Troy, that's a pretty bad sign for that entire coaching staff. I agree. So we'll see how the Boise State Broncos fare week number one against Troy. A very intriguing matchup and not an easy one if you're a Broncos fan. So keep an eye out for that. We'll be breaking it down in a few weeks, that week one matchup. Let's turn our attention to a team that I really like and a head coach that I've adored uh, in his days in Athens as the offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, the former Georgia quarterback that was the offensive coordinator under Mark Richt, taking this team to seven and six last year he really coached up quarterback Nick Stevens this is a guy that started the year two interceptions was benched for a couple of games and then in the last 10 games Rich through 19 touchdowns only three interceptions he's got a, a fantastic group of skill players he's got Izzy Matthews Dawkins he has Michael Gallup one of the most underrated wide receivers in college football this team can build off a of seven and six, but in order to do that, I feel like they have to shore up the defensive side of the ball. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I know that makes for uh, boring radio, <laughs> but uh, you know the offense exciting. They were dynamic last year. Uh, Nick Stevens, I, I ran the numbers. If you look from a granular standpoint, there was not a better statistical quarterback in the month of November than than Stevens was for Colorado State. He had lost his job early in the season to Colin Hill, a freshman. Colin Hill gets hurt. Stevens comes in, makes the most of that second chance. You touched on the skill position players. I think Gallup is a true NFL wide receiver. Another kid like Cedric Wilson at Boise State played one year after junior college at the Mountain West level was dynamic, is a field stretcher, can really take the top off of uh, opposing defenses. But if Colorado State is going to take the next step, win the division, appear in the Mountain West Championship game, they need more playmakers on defense. That's exactly where the issue is. And I'll take it right there. Two intriguing statistics about this team. Every time... Colorado State rushed for over 200 yards, Rich. They they won ballgames. They were 7-0 in those games and won those games by 21 points per game. On the flip side, 
They were 2-6 and six in games that they allowed over 200 yards rushing to opposing offenses, and they lost those games by 14 points per game. One of those games was in the bowl loss to Idaho. They got abused in, in, in Boise in that matchup, ran all over them. I mean, defense did not show up. But I will say this about Mike Bobo. In, in his days at Georgia, and they couldn't wait to get him out of there as an offensive coordinator with Todd Gurley, all he did was create offensive balance as an OC and put up points. And that's the one thing when you look at this offense, they're balanced. They're rushing for over 200, and they do stretch defenses vertically. That'll carry through, especially when you have a confident quarterback in Nick Stevens, like you mentioned. And I think that Mike Bobo, again, I'll say it again, I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in college football. Watch what they do this year, but it will hinge on the defense. Now, schedule-wise, not an easy schedule for 2017. Couple of quick thoughts uh, when you talk about Mike Bobo, uh, not just his coaching acumen, Joe, but also his ability to recruit the Southeast, which is not something you would typically say for a Mountain West head coach. Somebody situated in Fort Collins, Colorado, he is getting players from his old stomping grounds in areas like Georgia. So now he has a pipeline to a talent rich area of the country. That he's bringing, they, they're not five-star players. They're never going to be five-star players. But if he can get the speedy two- or three-star player that he can develop into a top Mountain West playmaker, he's getting that. That's number one. Number two, we're both concerned about the run defense of Colorado State, legitimately so, opening weekend, Ryan Nall and Oregon State. So there's some good games on August the 26th. That's a matchup that I can't wait to see. And to piggyback off that statement about the Southeast, who was there before Mike Bobo? Jim McElwain, who was the former offensive coordinator at Alabama, understood the landscape and really coached up that team uh, with Wiggins, their big play wide receiver, Rashad uh, Higgins. Higgins, excuse me. So that's where it started. And now Bobo takes over. Again, I think his offensive ingenuity is second to none. I think this is a team you have to keep an eye out for. I think that Oregon State game is possibly a trap game when you look at their schedule. And no easy game when they face their arch-rival Colorado. And Mike McIntyre, the the job that he did last year at 10-4 overall, a Pac-12 championship appearance but they get some breaks. for That Alabama game, though, Rich, they go on the road to Tuscaloosa. That could be the game that wears them down from a physicality perspective, especially in the front seven. Yeah, that's not going to help the run defense numbers, <laughs> right? I mean, those are going to be skewed going up against Bo Scarborough and Najee Harris and Damian Harris and that stable of backs. When we come back, we'll be talking some Josh Allen in Wyoming. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Continuing the conversation of Colorado State Mountain West Conference, we left off talking about Mike Bobo and talking about Nick Stevens, but this is a team, Rich, that when we look at the September schedule, it is daunting to say the least from a physicality perspective. Oregon State, a blue-collar team under Gary Anderson, then they face Colorado with Mike McIntyre, and then... 
Alabama and Nick Saban to start the month, and that could have residual effects as they move through the conference, especially on the defensive line, and that's where you have concerns for this team taking the next step. But Mike Bobo is the guy, in my opinion, to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. I I like the hire. I think this is someone we're going to see in a major conference in the next couple of seasons. Uh, It happened with McIlwain. He used that to get to Florida. I think Bobo will will do something similar. When I look at the schedule, Joe, um, not just daunting, but also daunting from a travel standpoint. Um, You know, September 16th, you go to Tuscaloosa. Two weeks later, you're in the islands against Hawaii. And then on October the 7th, you're relatively close but you're at utah state which means september 9th home game and not back in fort collins again till october the 14th so that could be challenging just from a frequent flyer mile standpoint yeah i agree with you and i think when you look at this team overall in terms of their 2017 win total i picked them right at the in the area seven and five i think from an offensive perspective with nick stevens they can score some points and win ball games but because of the travel i have this team with boise state pegged at seven and five again i think it's going to take a couple of years but mike bobo will coach this team up to possibly nine ten wins in the years to come uh, i have them bunched right with Wyoming and that's where I want to turn our attention with Josh Allen and the crew Craig Bowl did a fantastic job last year I mean they knocked off San Diego State uh, during the regular season Uh, they knocked off Boise State as well they made it to the Mountain West championship game lost that battle in a rematch with the Aztecs but this was a team that was eight and six overall they have one of the most dynamic underrated quarterbacks in Josh Allen but the loss of leading rusher Brian Hill will be a big blow to this team, Rich. Yeah, I, I think when, when we talk Mountain West, uh, we could touch on four or five top storylines. For me, one of them is Josh Allen. Uh, if you are an NFL fan and your organization needs a quarterback, this is one of those quarterbacks, the Sam Darnolds, the Josh Rosens, that we'll talk about throughout the season Josh Allen is one of the most fascinating individuals in all of college football because absolutely no one out of Laramie knew who he was last year. And by the end of the season, he was contemplating whether or not to turn pro at the end of his sophomore season. 6'5", 230 pounds, strong arm, mobile, but raw. So I already like his decision-making because he decided to come back for 2017 with Craig Bowl, which I think was a fantastic decision. Threw too many picks last year, needs to improve his decision-making. But from an NFL draft standpoint, this is one of the real wild-card players. He might be overrated, Joe, but he also might be a top-ten pick next April. Well, I equate him. It's a cross. I equate him to, I see a little Philip Rivers in him. That's a harsh statement because... Philip Rivers, in my opinion, is is an NFL Hall of Famer. So I, I I take a slight step back. The other comparison I make him to, I'm a Dolphin fan, so we know Ryan Tannehill, right? Same type of guy. He's tall. He's mm-hmm. lanky. Has a little mobility, but he could stretch defenses vertically. I think he's that type of player. But uh, I agree with you. I think he's the nuts and bolts of this team. I think he could be an NFL caliber all pro eventually in his career with the right coach and the right fit. So we'll see how it plays out. I I will say this about Wyoming overall from a statistical standpoint, they're going to need to run the football to have success. They were eight and six last year, Rich, 
in their eight wins, they had a balanced offensive attack. They rushed in those eight wins for 256 rushing yards on the ground. They passed for 218 through the air in those victories. In their six losses, a one-dimensional offense, they only rushed for 138 yards on the ground and passed for 252 through the air. So when you force Josh Allen in the pocket, forced him to make his reads and progressions from a defensive perspective, Wyoming lost games. What's going to be interesting, Joe, is you know we're all looking for the development of Josh Allen, how much he develops. He's going to be doing that with a new supporting cast. I mean, the offensive line should be strong, but you mentioned Brian Hill no longer there. His top receivers from 2016 have now graduated, so it's going to be an entirely new set of backs and receivers that he's working with. So if Josh Allen is going to take the next step in his evolution. He's going to do it with fresh faces, and he's going to have to do it because this is a subpar defense. We talked about Colorado State struggling against the run. Same situation with Wyoming. They're going to give up a lot of points. They'll get some pressure. They have some good defensive ends, Carl Granderson being one of them, but they're going to give up a lot of points. So this entire team rests on the right shoulder of Josh Allen. I'm glad you said that. And to bring back the heydays of Wyoming, just sports in general, Fennis Dembo on the college basketball end, and I don't know if you remember back in the day, Marcus Harris, the former wide receiver, I mean, that uh, made it to the NFL for a, a cup of coffee. But I'm glad that you brought up the the defense because in their nine, in their first nine games last year, they were 7-2, and two, Rich, and very solid in run support when they got that victory over San Diego State that defensive front seven only gave up 137 rushing yards per game in the first nine games of the year in the final five games they were one in four you know what they allowed on the defensive end they allowed 321 rushing yards to opposing offenses that's three football fields you cannot win games consistently in any conference when you give up that many rushing yards, and that's going to be the cause of concern for Craig Bowl and this defensive staff for the upcoming year. Well, I mean, besides the obvious concern of giving up over 300 yards rushing a game, what does it also do? It keeps your prized quarterback off the field. You know, you're giving up 320-plus per game. Those are long, clock-milking drives. And Josh Allen, no help when he's on the sideline with his helmet off. So you have to have your franchise quarterback on the field. I think they're going to be fun, would be the word that I come up with, because they're going to give up a lot of points, they're going to score a lot of points, and meanwhile, we're going to be watching a quarterback that could be a a New York Jet, he could be a (laughs) Buffalo Bill next year. I'm just happy he had the good sense to come back, because it had to be tempting as heck. I'm sure he would have been drafted. I'm sure he would have a contract right now. But he's not ready for the NFL. And I love young men that make wise, big-picture decisions when it comes to their future. I'm sure he has an insurance policy in the event he suffers a serious injury this year. He wasn't ready. Could be at the end of this season. Did you hear that? Gerard Evans, did you hear that? Shock Linwood. I mean, we see it year in and year out. Who's giving these kids advice? That's a conversation that we can have a little bit later in the show, maybe, Rich, because uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, this team overall has 14 starters coming back. When you look at their schedule, 
winnable games, that week one matchup on the road in Iowa could really make or break this team in terms of a confidence perspective. If they can somehow, some way, pull out that victory on the road, they could be alive and kicking uh, through the Mountain West Conference. And also, Iowa has had problems in the past uh, in early September <laughs> in non-conference games, so I don't think that would be out of the realm of possibility. Desmond King no longer you know, patrolling the Hawkeye secondary, so that's something that... Uh, that'll be a Josh Allen in Iowa City. That's an interesting opener for Wyoming. And you're talking about an offense that does break in. Nathan Stanley taking over for C.J. Beathard. I mean, they do have Akron Wadley and now James Butler. But Jaleel Johnson is gone from that, that defensive front seven as well for Iowa. So that's a matchup you have to keep an eye out on. And then they match up very well at home against the Ducks and Willie Taggart. I mean, that's another winnable game. I mean, both teams could could score 70 points in that matchup. Yeah, I, I know we're not talking Pac-12, but, but Jim Levitt and that Oregon defense, Brady Hoke couldn't fix the defense. Levitt now gets his opportunity. That's been the issue for Oregon the past couple of seasons, not offense, but defense. Now that secondary, which has a lot of experience and a lot of familiar faces, but not a lot of production now has to go up against Josh Allen. Yeah, I picked this team at 7-5, and five, so I have them bunched with Colorado State and Boise State fighting for a position. I think when you look at some of their out-of-conference games, those are the concerns, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this team went 9-3, and three, if they could pull one of those two victories or both of them out uh, over Iowa or Oregon. Where, where do you see this team for 2017? Yeah, I, I think they're 7-5. and five. I, I think 7-5 and five, uh, probably about 35 points per game on offense maybe 30 plus on defense they'll be giving up I I think when you get dragged into that many shootouts you're gonna lose some and I really am concerned about the skill position talent uh surrounding Josh Allen defense and skill players that's where that's where my problem is and what's when you talk about landscapes though when you talk about environment and college tradition i mean laramie i mean out there in wyoming and now you have the ducks i'm sure they'll have 180 combo uniforms you know pulled out for that game but these fans are going to be rocking for it's a that great battle. fan base yeah, I mean, yeah underrated fan base for for those of us who occupy the east coast i i think there are a lot of people who do not appreciate just how much they love their football in Laramie. It's a great atmosphere for home games. Back when they had grass back in the day, I mean, in December it would be yellow. It wouldn't even be gray, uh, green. Uh, when Robbie Bosco was there at BYU, you used to watch those ball games. So that's why I love Wyoming. And I think he's done a great job uh, in Laramie. We'll see how it plays out for 2017. When we come back, we'll be talking a little Bob Davey, a little New Mexico. Don't turn that dial. This is Joe Lisa Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Continuing the conversation, Mount West Conference, we left off with Josh Allen in Wyoming. Two other teams we're going to kick around right now are San Diego State, Rocky Long, and my personal favorite, New Mexico. 
Rich, I'll start with Bob Davey, uh, given a second lease in terms of his coaching career. Love the job that he did last year. Nine and four overall. This is a team that led FBS in rushing yardage, 350 total rushing yards per game. Loses a little on the defensive side of the ball. Some people pick this team dead last in the division. Well, I'm here to tell you this is my pick to win the, the division and get to the conference championship game. Yeah, I, I mean, Bob Davey deserves a, a ton of credit. Uh, we all kicked him around during his Notre Dame stint, uh, did not do a good job. I think that might be his uh, on his headstone. I think that's what we remember in terms of his coaching career. Goes into the broadcast booth, and then goes to Mexico, curiously. I don't think anybody expected much <laughs> at all, but talk about uh, you know a second lease on life. He has made the most of it. He's done a good job. He has stuck to his principles in terms of what – kind of an offense they're going to run it's a triple option ground heavy uh don't throw the ball much and it worked last year uh they played extremely well and and i see no reason why that ground game won't be every bit as effective this year with tyrone owens lamar jordan uh behind center um everybody knows what's coming nobody could stop it and in terms of mountain west teams this is one of those teams that coaches just don't want to face yeah, I agree with you. I think when you look at the triple option in terms of game speed and practice preparation, it is a lot different once you see it up close in terms of the zone blocking type of schemes. And I will say this about what he's done on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they only have three returning starters coming back. That is a cause of concern. But you look at what he's done in terms of his defensive philosophy. Three years ago, they allowed 269 total yards per game in terms of run support. He cut it down in 2015 to 193. Last year, 172. So on the flip side of what we talked about in terms of Boise State and their front seven going the other way, it's he's recruiting players that fit his type of scheme, and you're seeing the results now carry out onto the field, and that's more important for me. Even though he loses eight starters, he has players that he can plug in and play that understand the scheme. Well, and and something that a New Mexico and other programs in the group of five often do is they'll backfill well with junior college players. And Bob Davey in New Mexico has been able to do that. You know, you lose eight starters, but it's not like you're inserting redshirt freshmen into the mix. You're getting juniors uh, who have had two years since high school to get a little bigger, a little faster, a little more prepared for college football. So, you know, I think New Mexico, despite those eight losses, I think can regroup a little bit faster because they have maturity in junior college players to fill those roles. I agree with you. I could not agree more in terms of defensive philosophy, and that's why returning starters, to me, aren't that important when you look at it, because as long as you have experience, like you mentioned, juniors, seniors, or JUCO guys, they're more mature, they understand, and they're there to to really play out their careers, either to make it to the next level, or move on where they realize that football will not be a part of their life, and that's why you get the type of success from juniors and seniors that you don't consistently get with freshmen and sophomores. So I agree with that. Let's turn our attention to Rocky Long and San Diego State. I mean, what can you say about this guy? This guy, I mean, from his days at New Mexico, he had a running back in Dontrell Moore. 
one of the most underrated coaches in college football. I mean, he had Donnell Pumphrey last year, but he does have Rashad Penny coming back, a thousand-yard rusher. When you think of a physicality on the offense and defensive lines, two years ago, plus 22 in turnover margin. Last year, plus 14. And he's got a solid, experienced quarterback in Christian Chapman. This could possibly be a team that makes some noise off of last year's success. Yeah, and and they 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 play in a West division where they're not going to get a lot of competition. I know you're going to disagree in a moment. <laughs> I won't steal your thunder, um, but you know the the West is the weaker of the two divisions. So San Diego State, despite the fact that there is a need to regroup and fill some holes on both sides of the ball, I love Rashad Penny. Thought he was a perfect complement to Danell Pumphrey last season. Only needed 136 carries to become a 1,000-yard rusher, so he's a big playback. He'll contribute to the passing game as a receiver out of the backfield. Christian Chapman is a fine game manager. And what I like about San Diego State, I think, you know, inherently we think about West Coast football. And with the exception of Stanford up north in the farm, San Diego State is is the most blue-collar team in the state of California. The way they play defense, the way they run the ball, I think that will continue this year. In six seasons, uh, Rocky Long... 54 and 26. So yeah. he is Mr. Mountain West. I agree with you. Now, Christian Chapman came way of San Diego State via Kentucky and really progressed as a game manager uh, in his days there. I, I, I agree with that. I think in order for this team, for me, to take the next step, meaning can they be undefeated? And I thought they had the possibility last year to do that, but they got tripped up by Wyoming and a couple other games last year. But when you look at this team overall, here's the concern I have for this team in terms of where they'll be at the end of the season. Will they be a 10-win team or possibly an 11-win team? I don't think so. Starting two redshirt freshmen and a sophomore on the offensive line. And when you think about their philosophy, what they want to do, pound the football between the tackles, that's the concern. Now, we talk on the inexperience on the offensive line. When you have freshmen in terms of a cohesive unit and continuity, especially on the offensive line, this is the concern that I have for the Aztecs in the upcoming year. Yeah, and for good reason. I mean, the identity of San Diego State is built along the lines. Offensive line, Antonio Rosales is the only returning starter so not only will they be young, but that line is going to be inexperienced. Week two at Arizona State, a team that's going to be hungry. They have their own sense of urgency with Todd Graham. So that'll be a game that will tell us really early on whether or not, listen, San Diego State, in my opinion, is the class of the Mountain West, of the West Division of the Mountain West. But are they still the team to beat in terms of the conference? And are they someone who can compete for that bowl berth in a in a uh, New Year's Day bowl game. Well, you look at their schedule overall. They open up against UC Davis. Then they face, like you mentioned, Arizona State. That really was bad in terms of a secondary. Worst college football secondary, allowing 357 total yards per game last year. So Christian Chapman's going to need to step up in that game to really attack that secondary. But here's the game I look at, Rich. Their third game of the year against Stanford and David Shaw. If there's one team that resembles Stanford in terms of a philo- uh, philosophy standpoint, it is San Diego State that wants to control the clock, run the football between the tackles, and work off a play action. 
could be a very dangerous game if you're the Stanford Cardinal. Yeah, it's almost like looking in the mirror in terms of a philosophical standpoint. David Shaw, Rocky Long, they want tough defenses. They want to run the ball. Quarterback, unless you have an Andrew Luck, quarterback is sort of, you know, it's sort of mollified a little bit, not the focal point of the offense. Uh, Stanford no longer has Christian McCaffrey. They have struggles at the quarterback position. The defense of Stanford versus that young offensive line of the Aztecs, that's a matchup that probably will have Rocky Long up at night leading into that game. But I like the fact, I love when group of five teams like a San Diego State they at least have their opportunities to get into the batter's box and take a swing against Pac-12 teams because you know that those kids on the Mesa at San Diego State, they weren't recruited necessarily by Pac-12 teams. They want nothing more than to beat a Pac-12 team. And I'm going to show my age again. 1991, when they faced USC, Marshall Falk put on a field day in Jack Murphy Stadium back in the day. They love when Pac-12 teams come into their house. They salivate. So keep an eye out for that matchup. Again, I think they take a slight step back. I think I think from a recruiting standpoint, for what he was able to do with this team, again, I think he's one of the most underrated head coaches in college football. When you look at the division overall, though, I am going to burst the bubble because of the offensive line issues. I like Hawaii and Nick Rolovich, and I'll say this. They were 7-7 seven and seven last year. They were minus 8 in turnover margin, and for the amount of travel that they did last year, they opened on the ro- uh, in Australia against California. They lost that matchup. They then went to the big house and got crushed to be 7-7 seven and seven after that schedule. Nick Rolovich and Drew Brown, their quarterback, did a fantastic job. And that's my pick to win the division and get to the conference championship game against New Mexico. Wow, Hawaii, New Mexico. You're, uh, I'm going out on a limb with that. You're going to hurt yourself out there. Um, yeah, I mean, Nick Rolovich did a phenomenal job. For people who don't know, this was not just a traditional building plan. This was a Hawaii football program that was on the chopping block, the entire program. There, there was talk that they were going to eliminate football from the athletic program. It was, uh, it was killing the athletic budget, the travel. It was a real struggle to keep that program afloat. And I'm not saying that financially they're completely healthy, but when you get to a bowl game that early in your career, it really tends to kind of boost the spirits of not just the players, but the fan base as well. They have a quarterback in Drew Brown, Jelani Tavai, the linebacker, one of the more underrated linebackers in the country. So I think they get back to a bowl game, but just not as the West Division representative. Conflicting opinions. They also have St. Juice, the running back, and Ursua, who's a, a, a sophomore heading into that. So, I mean, keep an eye out. Nick Rolovich did bring offensive balance back to Hawaii. They rushed for 162 yards on the ground, passed for over 200 so we'll see how it plays out we're gonna kick it around we're gonna talk more mountain west keep it where it is this is joe Easy, rich sermonello fantasy sports radio network
finishing up the Mountain West Conference, we talked a little San Diego State and Rocky Long. We're going to turn our attention to Nevada. New head coach Jay Norville. New quarterback David Cornwall from Alabama, Rich. But they do have a huge, huge loss. Leading rusher James Butler moves on to Iowa to to be with Akron Wadley. Very intriguing move. How many teams in college football don't have an Alabama transfer quarterback? What are we down to, about 14? I, 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 they, Nick Saban loses quarterbacks each and, uh, every year. each and every year. Yeah, David Cornwell now going to run the air raid for Jay Norvell. And, uh, you know, it should be interesting to see uh, Cooper Bateman is uh, down where? Arizona State? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Alabama quarterbacks all over the country. Uh, James Butler evidently wanted to be closer to home. He's from Bloomingdale, Illinois, which is not far from the Iowa border. So it creates that uh, one-two punch that the Hawkeyes had last year. Now they have a Nevada transfer, and they have Wadley as well. And, uh, you know, Nevada's going to be in a bit of a rebuilding plan. I I think Cornwell will be the storyline to see if he can sort of resuscitate his career, didn't get it off the ground at Alabama, but he'll have an opportunity in an offense that's going to throw uh, early and often. Yeah, and when you talk about the change of philosophy, that could be the reason why James Butler made the move uh, to Iowa. And you look at Jay Norville, wide open attack. This is a guy in Butler that rushed for over 1,300 yards last year, 12 rushing touchdowns, was about 75% of the offensive production for that team he might want to take his talents elsewhere, especially when you have your eyes on the NFL draft. You want to make it to a bowl game. You want to be in the national spotlight. And when you change offensive schemes in your senior year, well, that's a bad recipe if you're the leading running back that wants a ground and pound between the tackles. Yeah, I mean, the, the pistol really benefited running backs in the past. Um, and you bring up a really good point. It could have been a system change, a desire to head back home. Iowa is going to focus more on the running game, even though instead of being the star, he's now going to have to share the spotlight uh, with Wadley. But that was fine for him to be closer to home. I think it's a great asset for Iowa. An underrated back out of Nevada, consistent, productive back uh, out of Reno. So that really benefits the Hawkeyes this year. Yeah, I feel strong about my statements. I like New Mexico and Hawaii as my picks for the conference Rich Sermonello, what are yours? Well, there's going to be a chalky aftertaste to uh, <laughs> to where I'm going here because I, I like Boise State because I oh. think they have to bounce back. I, I, I think they have to bounce back. They have, even though there are a lot of new faces, Joe, they have better defensive personnel than Colorado State, who I think will be potent. But Brett Rip, Rippon on offense, Alexander Madison, remember the name. I think he's going to be the new feature back for Boise State. Uh, San Diego State's going to have no competition out of the West, and the fact that they won't be tested divisionally will hurt them in the championship game. So I think we're going to take a mild blast from the past. It's going to wow. be the Boise State Broncos. A little Smurf turf. Yeah, we'll see what I'm happens. I'm feeling the blue these days. Uh, you're tin cup. You're laying up. You're laying <laughs> up on, on me here. you got to go for the green. you got to go for the green. But With I, that in mind, I'm going to go with Tony Sanchez <laughs> and UNLV, just to be different. Well, I think there's a team, and I'm glad that you brought that up quickly. I think there's a team in UNLV 
that can be bowl eligible this year. They have some swing games on their schedule. I picked them at 6-6, six and six, but I think he's doing a fantastic job, and you look at the defensive progression with UNLV, I think this is a team you keep an eye out for this coming year. It takes time. Tony Sanchez came from high school. Uh, he was a local legend as a high school football coach. So he knows the terrain in terms of recruiting. He knows the high school programs and the high school coaches, which is a benefit. But it's taking time. This is, what, year three for Sanchez? And I think it might be time for him to uh, to get to a bowl game. Yeah. Now, the the thing I wanted to bring up with Fresno State, 1-11 and 11 last year, uh, you look at their new head coach, Jeff Tedford, out of college football for a while. I mean, there's something we have to talk about in the next hour. But uh, when we come back, we'll be kicking around. We'll be talking to Alan Pinkett in the next segment. Stay with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.